only last year december i became first time founder and i called my mom and i said i'm scared i don't know if it's the right thing to do yeah. they just wanted to make sure am i legit you don't need to listen to a podcast for knowledge financially it's much much better but i'm a silent killer Like, no, no, I, I, I love I, the Lamborghini. I'm just kidding. I prefer this episode. You know, <laughs> I know everything about. You know everything. Oh my god. Yeah, hi, Kipi. Hello. Like, like you're okay, sure. To 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 let me call you Kipi. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much for for accepting my invitation. I'm glad I can present you to my audience with the experiences. Your background, your adventures—we can say, if you can say—in the entrepreneurship world. Yeah, I'd like your advice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I mean, I I'm glad to be here, and I'm an open book. So you know, however you wanna, whatever you wanna take this conversation, I'm looking forward to it. I th- I thank you very much. My first traditional question is like, why did you accept my invitation? That's oh, actually, I have to go back to that Twitter thread where uh, one of our mutual friends, I think, um, mentioned me and connected us both uh, very publicly, right? Which is which is great because that's kind of like flows really well with the building public theme. I think you know personally, I um, I love um, you know kind of being on podcasts that are just getting started, and I think yours is one of the ones that are you know yeah, relatively new. Um, because I remember what it felt like to uh, be a podcast creator or podcaster early days, the first six months. And, you know, this, it's like, you know, there's so much unknown. And I, the, all yeah. the people, I just did 70 episodes recently. I finished 70 and I feel so really thrilled and happy. But my favorite people are the first six or seven because they took a shot on me before I had any big social proof or any pedigree or any validation. So I remember what it felt like to be at, you know, the receiving end. So no person, <laughs> yeah, no one podcast. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, and so now I'm telling you, straight forward. Yeah, that's all. It's touching actually, as as I'm sure. I thank you very very much. I think like uh, the experience of podcasting like can be just like a sharing moment, like with me and with you and with the all the people that can hear us like one day. I yeah. I I hear some podcast today. I I I I can I don't know I don't know how to <laughs> use the verb correctly. But it's okay. <laughs> I I would like to 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 ask about how did you get your first online daughter? If you'd like to ask, mm. to to tell us the story. Uh, wow, it's a pretty profound moment. I remember. Uh, I think it was twenty twenty, where, for actually for two three years, I was building a lot of no code projects. Um, and I was building them publicly, so I was learning from my lessons and sharing what I learned and putting it out there and talking to a bunch of people. But I never really had the courage to, you know, put a pricing page, a charge for things. I think it was very scary at the time. Uh, but I also was waiting on getting a visa in America, like the green card, which is the permanent resident status, so I could technically, you know, not be limited to just one employer, which was one of the sort of uh, constraints of that particular situation. Mm-hmm. So I think this September 2020, I finally got that green card. And I remember um, putting out a tweet saying that, you know, I feel liberated. I feel free. You know, I can make money on the internet. Um, and I think within a week or so, if I recall, I had a Gumroad project 
called a build in public swipe file. Um, mm-hmm. First thing I did was actually I went and registered an LLC, which I've been, you know, so desperately trying to do for over 10 years in my time in America. But once I got the green card, I went and registered an LLC and um, connected to a bank account, corporate, I mean, a, a business bank account called Mercury. And once I did that, I think I had the idea to launch uh, a swipe file, which is a collection of resources and things that I've said, uh, essays I've written, all these like interesting resources into a swipe file. And then I launched that on Gumroad. I think I made, uh, you know, I don't know how much I made the first day, maybe like $200, but it was so satisfying, you know? The, the best $200. Yeah, the best $200. <laughs> it's uh, until that moment, I think I was a wannabe entrepreneur. And after that moment, I felt like I was a real entrepreneur, you know. So actually, actually, there were like two things in your in your like entrepreneurship life that really make me think. Like the first thing, like you're not technical mm-hmm. founder, and the second thing, it's you're not American and you're like mm-hmm. immigrant. You can say, yeah, you're coming from very rich India. country in India, like yeah, like the like the 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 where there is a lot of developers. Like it's the <laughs> The back office of the world, if yeah. you can say. Yeah. I'm very, yeah. It's the IT. I think it's the yeah. IT capital, yeah. My first job in India was actually in an IT office, you know, doing some customer service for like a little IT company. But anyway. Like you had to first to, to work in corporate, like um, knowing that like all your thoughts were like in entrepreneurship. Yeah. For me, how did you manage this? Because for me, it's like one of the most complicated things that immigrants like have. Yeah. Is to be obliged to do something because you are somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Um, how did I manage? I now, you know, every once in a while I pause and reflect now and I give a lot of grace and gratitude to my younger self because I think, uh, you know, my current version likes to believe that I'm badass, but the real badass was that KP from 2011. 2009, 2011, 12, 13, those years where I I didn't have a lot of hope, you know, and I just kept going despite a lack of evidence that I will make it, you know, to this sort of mm-hmm. entrepreneurship journey, right? So I think the biggest desire, so I was on a plane to America 2011 um, to, to come to Nashville and to um, get a master's degree in electrical engineering. But on the plane, I decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, really. Like deep down, if you asked me, I would really want to be an entrepreneur. However, okay. however, but I didn't have the resources and I didn't have the visa. And I, I came from a lower income family in India. So my family counted on me to kind of make it to middle class first. Mm. So I could send money back and make sure that their basics are covered and then pursue my dreams. But my dreams are always there from 21 years. I'm 34 now. I'll be 35 in a few days. Um, from 21, my mom reminded me recently that she told me that you were eating my ear off. You're biting my ear off from like when you were 20s that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know? Um, but I just, I had to stair step, you know, my way to a place where I settled my family. I worked for 11, 10 years in American corporates, you know, like Delta Airlines. Uh, all Fortune 500 companies, like, you know, um, there's like uh, Anthem, which is a huge health insurance company, uh, Turner Studios, and a few others. So I had to kind of pay my dues, you know, pay my dues in terms of time, which is 11 years, but also pay my dues in terms of my family, 
who give me the shot, right? Like without them, who were absolutely, who had nothing, and they didn't even have the opportunity to dream. And I was born as a dreamer. And I always ha- was a dreamer as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. because I didn't have the struggles they had. So I think a part of me was grateful for the chance that they gave me. So I thought, okay, it's worth my 10 years to spend, you know, in terms of for patience. Them. Yeah, for them. Mm. And then when I, the, uh, in December 2022, um, for the first time, I became full-time founder. Okay, even though I said uh, 2020, I started this Gumroad thing. I was part-time. I never really took full-time founder mode. Only last year, December, I became first-time founder. And I called my mom and I said, I'm scared. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, for 11 years, all my life, I had a paycheck, right? So full-time founder means there's no paycheck. You're like fully relying on market in the yeah. market. And she said, beta, like, you know, in, the, like, in our language, she said, this is your shot. This is your time. You've given us so much. You've given, you know, our family. You've given, now go live your dream. You know, just do it. And so I really felt proud that she encouraged me at the very ripe young age of 34 to be an entrepreneur. So. It's, actually, it's very touching. It's very, very touching. Like to just have all the things you gave back by like um, positive vibes and like yeah actually for for me the parents of everyone like are yeah. the most important people yeah and once those people are just validate your your dreams you can really fully dream actually for me this this thing of validation I never wait to be validated from someone yeah I always feel that I need to be validated from my parents <laughs> Even if like, I don't know why or how, but yeah. I need my mom to be. No, I have no shame in that, to admit that to yeah. me. Personally, I think I seek validation. I think I instead of validation, which is kind of seems like praise, I actually seek being seen. I want from to be them? seen from, from people who I love. People who I love, like my mom, my wife. <laughs> now my wife. I plainly tell her. I'm like, yeah, I plainly tell her. And she's. it's so funny because she actually doesn't share that bone. She doesn't have, she doesn't need any validation. She doesn't need any, she's so content and happy. But I will tell her, hey, uh, my love language is words of affirmation. Have you read this book or uh, this concept no. of six? No. It's really, really interesting. Everybody has one of the six ways of um, love languages. So we express I love. You like gifts? Yeah, see? <laughs> Not like no, oh, wow. Oh, come on. See, my top two are, number one is words of affirmation, which means I offer love in words and I take love in words and number two is gifts it's just so shameless but I'll admit because growing up I didn't have much so anytime somebody gives me like something like I don't know some meaningless you know like needless toy I feel like so joy you know so those two are my love languages uh my wife though I mean as since we're on this topic uh she doesn't care for affirmations or words are her number one is uh we just talked about it today um little acts of service you know, like little acts of service. For example, if she comes home and I, you know, I don't know, if she told me two days ago to take care of something in the pantry and I cleaned the pantry. Or if I, you know, helped her take two or three items from her to-do list of doing, doing, doing things, you know. For me, I don't care if somebody does that or not. I don't care. But for her, it's a big deal, you know. So some people like, mm. I think they like thoughtful acts, gestures, you know. Mm, I don't I, I, I think I'm like this. I Actually, for me, the most important things like to think deeply about me. Yeah. Be <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm telling you, that's what I'm saying. 
for me, I actually don't care. I couldn't care less, right? Like, just write me a nice, beautiful note, or just—I'm not a note, not a note. I mean, like, verbally, I'm—I'm I'm one of those people that likes to go on a phone call. And my wife's the opposite. She like texts. She just like doesn't want phone calls. Mm. She just texts. I'm like, I'm very much a phone call person. And so I think, to your point about validation and, and sort of seeking, um, I feel like our parents, you know, because they were the first ones to show us, you know, truly the power of love by being unconditionally loving. You cannot be, I'm a parent now. I have a two year and a half, two and a half year old boy. Now I know what my mom must have gone through to take care of me. You know, I have a I lot of respect like, now. No, I think like parents love is the craziest love. Yeah. Someone can like, just yeah. you love someone and you are crazy about loving him. Yeah. You, you, if something happens, you can really go crazy. Yeah. And I love my mom for, for that. Anyway, I just say we go back to to be like an employee for eleven years. You didn't like feel like kind of safety, and you was, you never feel like afraid from going out from this safety place. I guess I I can't lie and say I was never afraid. I was afraid, but for me, the fear was dominated by the dream to be an entrepreneur. So that dream kind of like, you know, overtook the fear. But I'm still a human. So there were moments where, you know, towards, especially towards the end where I had to make the choice to like really go on, like really go. Um, that's where I like talked to my wife. I like, I think I dwelled on it maybe like one or two times. But then I realized that I already had the skills by then, which is something that I think you could do. If, some of, if there's anybody on this podcast listening who is like in the boat of they're an employee, they want to be an entrepreneur one day. The best thing you could do while you're an employee is use your free time or leisure time or an hour a day or two hours on the weekend to build up all the skills of proof of work, as they say, so that you learn the game of entrepreneurship in the part-time mode. Because one okay, day, all the- for example. Like, for example, there's only two meta skills in entrepreneurship, right? One is building, the other one is selling. Mm-hmm. So building- Someone like me was a non-technical person. I shooed away, shied away from building for a decade, which is a mistake. Until I came to 2018, where after chasing all these developers and my technical friends, guys build me an MVP, build me an app, or build me a marketplace MVP, I got frustrated because why would they do it for me when they could build their own apps and be busy and like sell, you know, selling products yeah. on those things? So I realized the power of no code then. And I realized that I can't wait, sit around. I don't have any leverage in 2018. I didn't have anything that's like, now I have some leverage. I can. I have a Twitter, I have podcasts, I have all these things. 2018, yeah. I was a nobody. So when you're a nobody, you have no leverage. You have to be honest that's with yourself. It. So when you don't have leverage, then go learn no-code skills. There's Webflow, there's Bubble. I learned Bubble. I remember I learned Bubble 41 days in a row, every day for one hour. And I learned the basic dumbest things on Bubble, like how do you do conditional logic? You know, so anyway, I did all that and, and built my own MVP, you know, within a within a week. And I built two, three. So when you build stuff and put it out there in the world, even if you don't make money, which I didn't make money, you learn so much about what it takes to turn an idea into a product. There's 15 okay, to 20 decisions you need to take yeah, to make it a product. You did, you did start being like kind of part-time entrepreneur if you're not making any money. I think 
Sorry, I mean, like, why, no, sorry, sorry. Are you saying why you should be an entrepreneur or saying why should... Why? No, why did you start like being an entrepreneur without working on like pro? Because like, I, I, yeah. what I got from the if idea is like, like, you, you didn't have the right to, to be an entrepreneur because you didn't have a green card. Yes. And you were like, you was training to be an entrepreneur waiting that green card. Yes. Is that the idea? Yes, Actually, 100%. I, I really like it, but like I was like... That's yeah. Look, I, if I had the option to put a Stripe payment link Connected to my business account because I need a business bank account which I cannot open yeah. if I don't have a green card. If if I could do it in 2018 when I started no code, I would have done it. But because I couldn't do it, I had to be even more patient, knowing the fact that man, I could be making money right there. I I, I had a massive, I think 3,000 person, uh, 3,000 user uh, app I built called Kappa, which blew up. It was on New York, uh, New Yorker. It was on Wired. It was on a bunch of things because the pandemic. When uh, we had the, um, you know, like shutdown happen, I built yeah. an app called Kappa, which is for virtual uh, coffee shop kind of thing. Anyway, so I could have made money on that, but because I was on the, you know, on the tricky visa, I had I was very very cautious uh, and also scared. Like I don't want to screw with the American immigration, right? Um, so I didn't put any Stripe link page or any payment page. I was just free. It was all free. I didn't make any money, any any commercial money. But it it was like a simulation for me. It taught me, like, you know, when pilots, you know, they play hundreds yeah. and hundreds of hours of landing the plane. You I feel like I landed <laughs> so many. Yeah. I feel like I landed so many planes by the time the reality showed up, which is, you know, when I finally full time, it felt like natural, you know? So. I have a question. Why do you think, like, people are following you on Twitter? <laughs> when you find out, you tell me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I you. When do you find it, you tell me. I don't know. I yeah, really like because like you have today. I think like forty five thousand people. Yeah, and that's like very important. Like there is like at least forty four thousand people that like see your ten percent of the number. Like yeah. see tweets every day. Like why do you think? Like what do you think you are? I think bringing people, those people. People love. There's two you things, right? Bringing. I mean, I, yeah, that's pretty heavy word. We are bringing value, but like I think, look. Ultimately, I like to think of like, would I follow myself? Would I, would I, would I follow myself if I was not me on Twitter? And the answer is yes. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, I show you the trajectory. I told you the story of 2018 to today, right? Every mm -hmm. inflection point is documented. Literally every step, the first $1 I made, first $20 I made, first Gumroad project, first thing I failed at, 16 no-code projects all built in public. And then I got a job at OnDeck, which is done in public, which is, by the way, I've never seen anybody pitch. So when I got the green card, one of the first things I did was I realized that I didn't have Silicon Valley connections. And eventually I knew that in 20 years, 30 years, I wanted to build a world-class network. And I cannot do that from Atlanta where I live. So I wanted to work at a startup that's built based out of Silicon Valley. So the best way to do that at the time, 2020, was like, okay, I don't, I can't fly to Silicon Valley, but I'm going to share in public, here's eight different ways I can help a fast-growing startup. And yeah. if you like it, pitch, pick me. That thread went viral, and I had 3,000 followers at the time. It's not a big, I didn't, I was not a big, you know, creator. But that thread went viral because nobody does that, right? Scary. Like pitching yourself in public because you look foolish. I know I, know I look foolish, but I did it with a good, good intention, you know, to come across as someone who wants to try and I got 42 leads, 12 job interviews, and four final offers. And I took the on-deck offer, which I became the on-deck local director. What was the position you, you were looking for? 
I was looking for a f- growth or some kind of a customer facing because I love customers. And as you can tell, like I love mm-hmm. talk, interfacing people. So I was l- looking with anything that's customer facing role, uh, not technical, of course, because I'm not technical. Luckily, Ondek had was looking. Ondek was a company, as you may know, right? There's a, a community based company. They were looking for a no code fellowship director and they were trying to launch a new fellowship, which is a community based thing. And they were like, okay, this is a perfect fit. This guy loves community building. He's like building in public and he built 16 no-code projects. What if we give him a shot? So they did two interviews with me. It was a breeze. The other thing with the building in public is that they already saw everything. It's not like they didn't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. They just wanted to make sure, am I legit? Right? So they gave me home some homework. I just breezed it. Are you kidding me? The other thing too, by the way, if you're, the beauty of waiting for 10 years is that I came with like dragon-like fire. I came into the interview like, I'm going to nail this shit because I know how much I'm waiting for this. You know, so when I joined the company, I told everybody, told my CEO in my first meeting, I want to outwork everybody here just because that's how much passion I have. Not because I, you know, it's not competitive, but I'm saying. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Are you kidding me? 11 years, right? Like, think about that. How much patience, like in this age of, you know, uh, five-minute Instacart, six-minute DoorDash, 11 years, I just waited for a shot and they gave me the shot. I'm grateful for that. And so I worked my ass off. I had the highest NPS course. And I think, you know, again, it sounds like very boastful, but that was the power of latent fire that I had. And after one and a half years, you know, I moved on to another one with Gary V. But all this to say, um, you know, it's been quite a ride. So I think two, two reasons why I feel like people follow me. One, people love to follow a trajectory. Because they don't know what's coming in KP's life next, right? So they're like, what is he going to do? Do you think like they're looking for inspiration or yeah. they're like just following the story because yeah. Yeah, I it's can like follow Netflix. People, it's like, know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like Netflix documentary unfolding live, right? It's literally like season by season. Mm-hmm. By the way, last week I became a partner at a VC fund. And yeah. as I told you, I came from a low-income family where my father was making $100 a month. A month. And so... Someone like me becoming a VC fund partner is insane. It's not, I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to MIT. So the person who picked me as the partner, there's only two of us now. Um, his dad was an immigrant like me to America. And his dad is now in the U.S. Congress. So he told me a couple of times that you remind me of my dad, his hustle, the way he was like hustling to make be somebody, you know, in America. And he said, um, I wanted to work with you. He's been following me for four, four years. I wanted to work with you at some point, And finally, the point has come. So I'd love to work with you. Right? So that chapter, I tweeted about this in public or like unfolded in public. So I think people follow. They're like, you know, that's crazy. Right? Other thing too. It is crazy. The other thing too is um, I don't sugarcoat the journey. When I have a hard day, I say that I'm having a hard day or... I suck at this, or this is hard. And so I think a lot of people are looking for connection. Inspiration is one thing, but I think more importantly, they're looking for connection. I think you know? you're right. You are right. And you're that's what right. podcasting works too. I know you, you know this, right? Like mm. people, they're not listening to get like all the information you want in the world, all the knowledge is on Wikipedia, is on the internet. You don't need to listen to a podcast for knowledge. But to feel human, to feel like I can connect with, with this person's people. story. That's yeah. to me. Like, yeah. Like, That's why they join, you know? So. Yeah. I, feel like, I have like two questions. Like the first yeah. one, like, uh, 
you you changed your life changed yeah. you like you have maybe more resources now you are partner in vc uh, uh enterprise i don't know how we call it i'm sorry like how that that impacts your family not i'm not talking about financially but like um um, how they are living the life experience now. Yeah, I think, like, I feel like uh, I'm trying to think of, like, how is it different? Financially, it's much, much better, right? Which is a very obvious, I think, uh, you know, you'll notice the change, the transformation. But um, other than that, I think we, as a family, became a lot more risk friendly as opposed to risk averse. The biggest thing I think that holds people back, so many people with me when they were starting the journey when I was in the village in India, I think they're smarter than me. They're more talented than me. You know, they're um, objectively math-wise, still got more grades than me. But it's that risk capital, right? The 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 ability to do something that may not work, uh, but doing it with the, the right reasons and doing it for the longest term, that risk capital is what makes generational wealth, I think, right? So now I think in decades, I don't think in days because I just did a decade. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I don't need to win. I did 70 episodes, right? And so many people would be like, oh, 70 episodes, that's a lot of work. No, that's like 1%. I want to do 7,000 episodes, right? So when you think in decades, every step feels like fun. And I could fail so many times in 2023 and not worry about it because nobody will remember after a decade, right? Because I'm playing yeah. a 2033 game. So I think that I think maybe the long-term thinking is applied to the family. My sister also became a founder two years ago. Um, we all like now are more um, optimistic or resilient. But other than that, frankly, nothing much has changed. You know, uh, we're but, still like, the same. You, you said something like you said like people who are following you from like twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah, oh, for example. Do you think? Do you think like you would be today the same keepy that if you stayed in India in your small? No, no. Of course. What, what like America brings to you? I think. Except experience. In like, I think, you know, it, it places change you. You know, I think uh, one thing that I, I, I once said this on a podcast like two weeks ago that um, the best vision that I had when I was, you know, in seventh grade, eighth grade was to be a local banker. You know, like a local bank teller, like a person who gives notes. Yeah. Because that's what people around me expected of me. And that's what is normalized. So ambition was ambition is very much a infectious thing. So when you're around other ambitious people, energizing people, they raise the they raise the ceiling of your ambition. They 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 look at you, they look at the raw materials you have, which is your mindset and your traits, and they'll say, "Hey, with these raw materials, like you can't do the crazy, that." Yeah, the crazy mm -hmm. thing is, a diamond is still carbon, and a charcoal is still carbon. You know, yeah. so it's really upon the circumstance in which the carbon becomes diamond. So I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of latent potential that I don't think they even realize like what they can do. Even me, even when I had the VC fund thing, I was like, I had so much limiting beliefs. I told them like, uh, no, I don't think I'm ready. Are you kidding me? Like, why would you pick me? What, you know? And then he was just saying, he was just so persistent. He was saying, I don't care. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. I don't care. I've seen you for years. You're overthinking this. See, that's a limiting belief. Your moment, yeah. That's a limiting belief, right? Now, would I say this to my son? No. 
He's two and a half years old. I promise you the moment he's 11 and he wants to put a lemonade stand in front of my house, I will be like, here's a credit card, go buy lemon, you know, lemons. <laughs> because, so he will grow up with no limiting beliefs about business, you know, and risk taking. So if he says, dad, I'm coming home and um, instead of going to the math camp or some, I don't know, kimono or some some shit, like chess, chess grandmaster, you know, I don't know, training, I want to go start a, I don't know, some business, you know, some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of LLC, I will definitely encourage him to start the LLC, even though he might fail. Because now it's normal to me, the risk capital I have, right? And so I think that's one of the things I realized that um, it's not it's not intelligence that defines great entrepreneurs. Because, you know, if you see some of the entrepreneurs when they open their mouth, they're dumb as hell. Yeah. It's not intelligence. <laughs> And we're not about to say like 100% on the damn pod, but it's okay. I know, I know more billionaires today than five years ago who, I actually interviewed some of them, unfortunately, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, when they open their mouth, I'm like, wow, they're, they're not as deep as I thought. So they're, they're, but they're very ambitious. So I think it's really about ambition. Like, you know, like what is your biggest version of yourself? Like, what do you think? And it's not billions, it's not millions, it's not about money, it's about, thinking that, okay, I can create Uber or I can create Netflix. I can go against Disney. Can you imagine going against yeah. Disney, just $50 billion company or Airbnb trend? Like, say, you know what? I don't care about how many hotels there are in the world. I'm going to create something new called Airbnb. So that kind of ambition, number one. And number two is the risk, you know? Um, not choosing the safe path is risky. So you have to play the risky game for a long time. And that's how you win. Do you feel really that like you like you took a lot of risk in the beginning? That like you were kind of in the indie hacker, indie hacking path. I think like you had kind of security. Yeah, I feel like I I'm a very calculated risk person. You know, I know this about myself. Yeah. Um, my mom used. To, I mean, I I know this growing up. Like, mom used to tell me like I was never like too risky. I was never like, I would never bet the house money on you know in a thing on one round, right? Yeah. Like a little. A strategic thinker. I'm like, mm, let me just put one leg in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I put the chips in a way that I couldn't fail, right? Or or, or I could survive a dramatic failure, you know? Um, but the risk, though, is ultimately pulling the trigger is ultimately risky. Like, ultimately not taking up a 9-to-5 job is ultimately risky, I think. But you can... Minimize the impact of that. So a lot of people today, uh, when I advise a lot of folks in the fellowship, they're working at 150K job, 200K job, either Stripe but, or Google or whatever. And they say, KP, I want to quit next weekend. I want to be a founder. I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> don't do that unless, you don't, unless you're a single person with maybe no responsibilities. That's fine. You can travel the world maybe. You, if you're a 35 year old like me and you have a son, you have a wife, and you send money to your family in India, that's definitely not the recipe. Um, I think my strength, I don't, I think my, as I reflect with you, I'm thinking about it. I don't think I'm so, and I don't think I'm so risky or gutsy, but I'm a silent killer. I think you take your time. Yeah. I think but, like you just like take time and yeah. like, yeah. It's, I, I think I feel like you have the trader tra the, the the very good traders uh, skills like they can wait and yes. one they can they can <laughs> wait and once like if they they are sure that like the the shot is good they will they will do it right. yeah I think I feel this is your yeah I, was, I, will, I will for me like um there is one of the most important things that um, as an entrepreneur like in the 
beginning and the start of this journey is really the balance between personal life and professional life and ambitions yeah. and kid and the wife yeah. and love and passion of love and yeah. gym and like meditation. Right. How like, like I have two questions. The first one, how did you manage this? And the second one, how like your wife, I, if she don't mind, I ask this question. Like, accepted that you will be busy men at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she still accepts that I'm a very busy... I think that just like with, you know, just like... I'll answer the second one first, which is just like with being self-aware that I realized that, okay, maybe I'm not so adventurous like Elon Musk or I'm not so, like, gutsy that I'm going to go start the next Tesla, you know, like, put put my family money, everything money, and sleep on the floor. I, I'm not that entrepreneur, right? So once I became self-aware... Then I realized then I can't play that game. So what's the other game that is available for me? Then I realized, oh, I can play the Warren Buffett game. 99% of Warren Buffett's wealth came after year 65. That's what I want to be. All my wealth I wanted to come, all the reward I wanted to come after 60s. So I can play the decades. And when you play decades, everything is easy, right? You don't need to get better this weekend. You have a decade, you know? So I like the pressure dissolves. So also that helps you to be more present with your wife and kids. Because I'm not in a rush. I have a decade, you know, to go. I have so much time. So I actually spent every day, which is another crazy thing. A lot of my founder friends are shocked about this. Every day at 6.30, I have dinner with my my wife and my son. 6.30. And every morning, 6.30, I wake up with my son. And I bring him downstairs and we watch Blippi and, uh, you know, some of the cartoons. Like, I don't know, like Coco Melon. And I spend time with him. And until 8. Maybe 30. I don't even know. Are, are you using your kid to, to just see cartoons? <laughs> <laughs> I felt this like. I, my wife I says. Didn't feel like, I didn't feel like you're happy to spend time with your kid. But my, my, <laughs> wife says, my wife says that my actual age is like five or six, you know, and I'm with my son, which is true. <laughs> and so, yeah, both of us. I'm reliving, reliving my childhood. No, so until 8 30 in the morning, I don't do any work, you know? So really, my day is 8 30 to. Um, six six thirty with like two or three breaks in between, and I don't think I work that hard on the weekends. I don't work for except two hours, you know, when my son is sleeping. And every weekend, my my wife, my son, and I we all go to something like either mall or we go to some hiking or something, you know, something dumb. Mm-hmm. We call it fam jam time. So I obviously I don't think compared to a lot of my founder friends, I work that hard. I don't work that hard. However. I think the thing that differentiates me is that they're all trying to get something in 2023 December. Like they're rushing and they're burning out. I'm at going like an old man, very peaceful. I'm like, okay, let's see you in 30 years, right? Nobody can beat me in 30 years. But the thing is that you have to choose something that you love so much that drives you for 30 years. So when I do the podcasting, I didn't do it because I saw somebody do it or copy somebody. I genuinely tried it for one time, mm-hmm. fell in love with it. I was like, whoa, this is actually cool. I realized that I don't need to be like Tim Ferriss or anybody. I can be me. Like you see my energy, like, you know, in this call. This is exactly yeah. my podcast. This is how my energy is on my podcast. So I was like, okay, I can just be my energizing self and I can ask all the dumb, curious questions I have. That's it. 30 years, let's play this game. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this, this. I'm doing exactly the same. I just like, I'm me. But sometimes I don't speak. Like, I don't say, good, like, correct good words in English for me. It's okay. It's not my native language. Yeah. It's okay. It's, okay. Like it's a miracle that, that you're speaking three or four languages, right? Think about that, right? Like, most yeah. people can speak only yeah. one. 
I, I three I started learning Spanish, but like I didn't have time to really practice. Um, I I actually you know really enjoying this this episode and for me, <laughs> me too. And yeah, I'm really enjoying this call. The best um, episodes to me are like just conversations. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just talk. Actually, all my episodes are like conversation. I just like want to know why people are doing some something like. Especially, I would like to 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 talk about money, mm. because like we, I know that like, I read. I don't. I didn't have this this experience. Actually, when we ha- when we came, I am I came from like the very humble family. When we came from like um, a family. And we have we get a lot of money. We can have like two reactions. Yeah. The first one is like I need my Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> it's on me. And the second one is like invest money. What's mm-hmm. in the savings? Can you talk for please like about this to people? Because I know like you are like. Um, uh, what do you think my camp is? What do you think my preference would be? Take a guess. Second one. The second one. <laughs> Oh, I, I love the Lamborghinis. I, I, I'm just kidding. I prefer this episode, you know. <laughs> I know everything about it. You know everything. Oh my God. So this is a this is an investigation, not really an interview. <laughs> so um I mean I don't know. I feel like um uh, I understand why some people want a Lambo or like some G Wagon or something like a you know, like a public display. I also think that we both know by now, if you're an adult over thirty, you know, real happiness is not any monetary object. You know, like if you give me 1,500 Lambos and one hour with my son, I'll choose one hour with my son, period. In fact, you can, I can't even put a price, what I'm just saying, you know? Um, I also know that, you know, who am I? My being in this world is all limited, you know? We're like a small blip in this giant series of, you know, yeah. time periods, right? So, you know, like, just fronting with the Lambo in front of, you know, four other dudes is not going to make me mortal. Yeah, if, if there's only one thing that I wish, I feel like maybe my one wish would be, um, actually not even immortal. I think my, I want my loved ones to be immortal. You know, I don't care about my, because I think, you know, what are you going to do if you're immortal and nobody around, like you don't have your loved ones. So it's like boring. But yeah, so I was going to say that, um, I mean, after a while, you realize that all of this is fronting and flexing. Is like, I do enjoy great, nice, fine things. So one thing about wealth, one thing about abundance, I think as I'm appreciating now is, oh, I can watch, wear this nice Apple watch as opposed to $20 Timex watch, right? The Apple watch. But I don't buy this to show off like on podcasts like this and be like, yeah, look at this. Or I have. Yeah, yeah. Like, for example. <laughs> and, and I think I appreciate the fine craftsmanship. And I'm like, wow, they put so much time and uh, energy in this. Oh, wow, they put so much love in this, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think the, you know, other nice things, I bought myself a nice Audi when I, when I was able to. And I'm like, wow, now there is a reason why some cars are nicer than a Honda. So there's like, there's a, you know, there's a reason. I understand now. I understand Now I why. get it. Leather seats. Oh, this is what leather feels. Because, you know, the other thing too, I think you need to sometimes indulge in things. I think a lot of people went, go from making money to saving right away, which is another limiting belief. I don't believe in immediately making and saving. I believe in indulging a little bit and then saving. For example, like I, you know, for 20 plus years in my life, more than 25 years maybe, I rode the public bus. Like, you know, immersed in other people's sweat and, and body order. So... To have my own private 
happy, peaceful, spacious Audi that drives like a horse is fun. So I think, you know, that sense of wonder, the sense of fun, I think keeps, you need to have, keep a little bit of that, you know? But if you're doing crazy shit, like, you know, buying a Lambo to like speed up 150, you know, miles per hour to get a ticket to be like dude or like douche, douchebag, I think that's just useless. Mm. But, um, but yeah, so I think I fall in the camp of, you know, little indulgement, indulging, and then more importantly, um, making sure that I invest in the future. Um, to me, it's all about skills and not even just the investments of money. I mean, now I'm doing it through the fund, obviously, right? But the real the real lesson that I learned is until you make a billion dollars, everything is about skills. After a billion dollars or maybe after like 100 million, then you think about, okay, how do I take this lump sum of money and let's put it in real estate and let's put it in something else. But until you get to that 100 million or like the first big, big, big numbers, it's all about learning the skills, right? Yeah. Skills as like, like selling and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Like how are you educating yourself today? Every day through through podcasts. I join fellowships, masterminds. Um, I buy a lot of books. Like, you know, see so many books behind me there. I mean, you can't see now, yeah. but like there's like at least 60, 70 books. Um, I read every day. Um, I'm always trying to level up. I think... The, I always look at two or three steps ahead of me, whoever's in two or three steps, and I'm trying to like, um, you know, understand like, okay, what can I do to learn from them? That's my podcast also helps with that, right? We have so many smart people. Uh, and I ask, I have no shame. I ask them very dumb questions because I'm selfish. I want to learn. I also want to teach to my listeners. So I'm like, I'll just preface by saying, hey, you might get a lot of dumb questions and just don't mind it. And they're like, yeah, that's fine, you know? So... I think, yeah, I mean, just learning in public, I tweet a lot of my open questions and things that I'm learning, I usually ask on Twitter, you know, and you can, you can piece together based on my tweets, what yeah. I'm up to, like what I'm thinking up to. Thank you for this answer. I think like it's one of the most important. I have like a three, uh, two, yeah. uh, sorry, I have two, uh, two sentences that like I found out in, um, in your website and they'd like you to, um, to give me a comment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh I hope you didn't dig. I hope you didn't dig too deep into the no, dark side. I, yeah. I like one, one like I really, I really like it. Yeah, you're saying I've come to realize, realize how much of product building is really audience building and sharpening your intuition on what they might like to use. I really yeah. like this sentence. It's about audience and product. Yeah. What can you say about this? I think I've said everything in that two nights, <laughs> but I think, you know, I think it's a, I've learned now, if you ask me, I, mean, I think I'd made that tweet or made that post maybe two years ago. Now my current thinking is when you're building a new product, especially digital products, like you're building a SaaS product or, or something like that, 80% um, of your time should be in talking to customers, even if it's potential customers, like future customers, um, and 20% should be building. Often I find that people do the opposite. They spend 80, 90, maybe 95% building and then just 5% talking to customers. Now, why is talking to customers so hard? I find that it's hard because it's messy. It's not, unlike a computer is very deterministic. When I'm sitting down to write code, when I'm sitting down to do Figma, yeah. it's very deterministic. If I'm working on the header of a web page, if I move a couple buttons, it's a header. I'm not working on the footer. The same, like, it's clearly very clear. Talking to users means 
just like this interview it went it went all over the place it goes all over the place people will tell you all kinds of things so you need to be disciplined and focused about bringing them back to the pain points hey what's the pain you had in the last 3 months about this what have you done to alleviate the pain like you need to be smart about asking those kind of customer discovery questions and they will usually bullshit you because they're trying to be nice and so you need to kind of open the you know uh, open the curtain like say hey like you can be candid with me like would you use a product and things like that. so this is all like very hard stuff the soft skills of being a founder is to me the hardest thing actually i think like we have like much more insecurities with the humans and with computers yeah true like we're just like afraid we're afraid they're judging the us life. yeah yeah so like i i i heard like the the podcast you you did with gary and he was talking yeah. about like uh, the the been afraid for failure yeah from what people that's think right. and that, that's like that's the for me the, the main problem that anyone can as founder as every everything could face the second the um, the second one i really like it and they believe in it like deeply you brought you brought it all starts with taking action no matter how simple the scope idea seems to be yeah i really like this one yeah it's actually like really yeah actually everything i mean i as a dreamer it's one of those hard things for me for all my life i was a dreamer dreamer which means i built castles in my in my head um i think again like i said the inflection point happened in 2018 where i got tired of it i got frustrated because i was not going anywhere and um i was like i can't do this to my career i cannot be the person who is a dreamer only i have to be a doer just waiting for yeah just waiting for someone to give me a shot right i'm like i can't So this this concept of high agency like someone who doesn't need anyone's permission could do could to go do the thing is very powerful. You know, so when I started the podcast, I didn't get anyone's permission. I didn't need anyone's blessing. Nobody. You don't need. It. You don't you need it. I'm saying you don't need so just do it. So but there's every possible version of that in every possible creative field that you could do. The only difference though is most people want to open a I want to open a DTC denim brand KP uh but I need the jeans material I need 800,000 investment I'm like who asked you to do that you know like why don't you start small why don't you go do drop shipping and you know like start there right but the people's like status the ego gets in the way the thing will only that hey I'm just like what what do you mean the like Shopify I'm not a Shopify guy you know I'm like an entrepreneur so I think that that getting rid of status and ego is a blessing for a founder. That's like it's very complicated thing to just like get fresh on your ego. It's like one of the most hardest. like most harder things to someone yeah. can can do. Thank you very much. I have last question before yes. going to my quick question. I love a lot of quick questions. <laughs> I'm enjoying this episode. Do you have something to add that maybe you want to say to just people uh that are starting in entrepreneurship or people are like having a hard moment or good moment or something like they just want to share with people. I mean, I can only speak from my experience. So I know only my playbook. Um, but remember that there's many ways to reach the top of the summit. You know, there's not one way. I think you should find what is the way that seems to be energizing you and making you feel like you're making progress and going to the top. Some people... want a lot of discipline they're like heavily motivated disciplined and everyday rigid they have calendar stuff like very tightly 
done. Some people are loosey goosey like me. You know, I'm like very chill, calm, but I'm very driven. You know, so whatever playbook that is for you, make sure that you're executing on it. Um, and second thing is, I think you know something I learned recently is um, don't worry about people telling you you should be only doing one thing or two things. You know, why are you trying too many things? Why are you trying for you know? I think we sometimes you know inherit other people's fears or other people's um, you know deficiencies, and we think, oh wow, you know, I'm doing three things, I'm doing four things. Maybe I should not be doing this. You know, maybe only one. You know? Yeah, you should focus on something. Yeah, I I don't believe in that. You know, there are some people who actually are genuinely focused individuals, like Steve Jobs, only did one thing, Apple, the whole career. But then there are other people who did many things. Yeah. You know, that career. I think, like, it depends on personality. I yes. think for me, like the most important thing is to listen to yourself. To yes. You know, just take time to breathe and take your time. Like there is nothing. Like you, we are going nowhere. Yeah. Like, you, you are trying, experimenting, entrepreneurship, or like um, exercising, or like doing triathlon, or traveling by bike. I traveled by bike last week. Very glad. And um, it, for for me, issue like people who just want to know my my opinion with this is like just breathe. Ah, uh, it is good, it's very good. It's, yeah. it's one of the most enjoyable things that we can have. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. Mr. Kipi, we will go to the quick questions if you don't mind. Let's go. What do you prefer, in person or virtual? Um, depends on the context of what it is. You have to choose one. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, <laughs> virtual allows me to expand the surface area. You know, so I would say virtual. Short term or long term? Oh, of I course, mega, mega long term. Yeah, innovative or tra traditional? Oh, innovative. Los Angeles or Dubai? Uh. Atlanta, but yeah, Los Angeles. Okay. I've never been to Dubai, so I don't even know. Yeah. I think it's like one of those safer, safest places in the in the world. I okay. I think it's feel it feels good to be there. To be there. Summer or winter? Summer. I'm a summer person. Me too. Pizza <laughs> or burger? Pizza. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Books or movies? Books. Early morning or late at night? Late at nights. Really? I expected the... Yeah, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to be early morning now, but if I have a choice, I will choose late, late nights. Yeah. Thank you very much, Kipi. I have... Awesome. Last, last request. And yes. Um, who is the person that you will suggest to me to be my, be my greets? Next guest. Mm. I think Arvid Call would be a great guest. You know, if you've met Arvid yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's another one, Blake Kamal. He's great with landing pages and like he's building a, he's got a massive audience on Twitter too. But Arvid and Blake, I'm trying to think of who others. Uh, I'll, I'll text you or I'll just reply to you an email. Okay. When I have a couple. Hi, Arvid. <laughs> you know what <laughs> what I want to say <laughs> thank you very much for uh, keeping for your time and you. uh, I thank you for very much and uh, I wish people will enjoy uh, our full talk yes keep yeah. you posted when it comes out I'll happily you know share and, and amplify as I can and 
Thanks for having me. It was a fun thank chat. You, thank you.